Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the end line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Rick Barry here with Warriors 24 and my partner in crime, Cyrus Satchis, who used to look like the wolf man, but he actually cut his hair a little bit, so he's looking a little more presentable. <laughs> um, and we are delighted. To, yeah, a lot of things going on right now in the NBA. The bubble has been, uh, I think, a tremendous success. Uh, very interesting. And we'll get into talking a little bit more about that. But we're very delighted to have joining us. Uh, as we know, a lot of women are getting involved in the world of professional basketball from a broadcasting standpoint, a journalistic standpoint, coaching standpoint. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty nice how it's opened up uh, to, to everyone. And joining us is Kristen Peake. And she, if you've watched and been around looking at sports and everything, you find there's an MSN, AOL, Yahoo Sports. She's doing stuff with uh, USA Today. And, and she's a draft expert, which I'm glad to have somebody who's a draft expert. To be honest with you, Kristen, welcome to the show. I don't really follow a lot of the college basketball stuff because I don't really give a rat's you know what about what they do in college because most of them don't do a damn in the pros. And, and uh, there's very few of them that really turn into great, great players. And there's a lot of players out there. So I'm really looking forward to having your insight on there. So uh, welcome and hope all is well with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And on your, on your note about watching college basketball, this past year was particularly bad. And I thought, you know, I've watched all this bad college basketball. It's all going to pay off for the tournament. I can't wait to talk about Dayton and how well they've been doing. And then no tournament. So I feel your pain about not wanting to watch college basketball. Yeah, well, I have a hard time watching it only because of the fact that in, on the pro level, you're getting the best of the best. I mean, and I tell people, I said, here's what you want to do when you watch college basketball. Turn the sound off. Just watch the game. Just watch <laughs> And I'm serious, because you get wrapped up in the band, you get wrapped up in the cheerleaders, you get wrapped up in all of the stuff that's going on. But if you just sit and watch the game, and even on the NBA, I do that a lot too, because I can't stand listening to a lot of the announcers. But uh, I, I just watch the game, and the game will dictate what you see. And I tell you, what I'm seeing on the pro level, I'll get into it right now, because I, I am very opinionated, have always been, will always be, to my grave. I can't stand what I'm watching on NBA basketball, to be honest with you at times. It is, it is so far away from the game that I was taught how to play. It's become, it's become very difficult for me to watch. You call me a purist, call me old school, whatever you want to call me. But that's the way the game was designed to be played. And the teams that win championships are the teams that do play it that way most of the time. But they all have a problem, Kristen, of falling into, into the, just into the one-on-one -on -one stuff. I mean, and, and team basketball disappears. And I can't stand watching that because I was a team player. I was brought up to be a team player. And when I watch stuff and see one man with the ball in his hands for 20 to 22 seconds of a possession, I have a real problem with that. And, and now it's even gotten worse to the point where it's so much about the three-point shot. I mean, my God, they're taking 90 and 100 three-point shots in a game. That's why I love Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, at least, you know, he does mid-range game stuff too as well. But, oh, man, I just, I just have a very difficult time when I, when I watch that. But the beauty of it is, and the redeeming quality of the NBA, the teams that win championships played good defense. You don't have to be the best defensive team, but they play good defense. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, they play unselfishly, but they all fall into that trap of too much of the one-on-one. -on -one. Even my old Warriors team got in trouble when they did that themselves. <laughs>
The wait is finally over. Football is back, folks. And if you're like me, you're loving the NBA playoffs. And I love reading sponsors that I actually do business with. And that includes betonline.ag. I've been betting on a lot of these playoff games. You might, and you might not be at the games, but you could still be, be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. And sign up today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So tell us a little bit now. That's uh, I'm done. It's mine. I do is kind of like my, you know, the things on TV. They have their angle, like Laura, what's your name, and all the other things at the start. So I got my stuff out of the way. Let's find <laughs> out about you. How did you wind up getting into this line of work? So I played college basketball. I played Division Two outside um, outside New York City at Nyack College. I know um, Nyack. I've always- Hey, I was yeah, born and raised uh, in New Jersey. I was born and raised in New Jersey. I know Nyack. Yeah, I don't yeah, know where Nyack um, is. I've never, I've so never what, heard of Nyack. Where is that? Uh, it's New York. Up in New York, New York State. So what did you, what, what position did you play? <laughs> Rick, I, I, I assume that. New York State. It's in New York State. It's, <laughs> it's a huge a state, state, though. What, whereabouts in the state is it? Like, where, what are you close it's, to? It's 25 minutes outside New York City. Thank you. Oh, wow. It's okay. right close really by. Close. Yeah. 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 Um, but I was a shooting guard. I'm five foot seven, so... I shot a lot of threes <laughs> in my college playing days, but um, I always knew I wanted to be in sports. It didn't happen overnight. I worked at CNN Money for their financial site. I worked over in Australia for Yahoo Australia over there. I worked in news. I covered boxing and MMA. And what I tell everyone that's trying to get into this is just say yes to every opportunity because eventually the right amount of yeses will get you to where you want to be. And I, I started covering grassroots basketball. I did that for about six years. Um, the recruiting side of things, I'm still in that pretty much. Because um, you can't cover the draft without knowing who these young, up-and-coming all-stars are. Right. Um, so, uh, and then the last couple of years, I've transferred over to covering the NBA draft. It's been great. Uh, well, listen, I, I can't let you go because I do listen to what people say when they're on the show. So I have to go back to when you originally started out. I think you did make the statement. I shot a lot of threes in my career. <laughs> so I want to know what was your shooting percentage from three-point range? Oh, man. It was a long time. I can't. I mean. Oh, you know. Come on. No, Everybody I don't know. Knows. I don't know. Come on. I don't know. I, I, I can tell you probably I was probably between like 38 ish percent but my biggest accomplishment was i led the conference in steals and i was defensive player of the year nice and well that's see that's good see any coach would want you because if somebody's committed to playing defense especially if you know and understand that the game of basketball isn't determined by individual defense it's determined by team defense you get a good individual defender that's a bonus but you got to know how to play team defense but 38 percent, i will tell people for those we've talked about it be 38 percentage is outstanding shooting from three-point range now that's granted it wasn't three-point nba range but and that's and that's where i beat my wife when i had to play around the world because she had to make a shot from three-point range and i was able to catch her uh, when we were dating but anyway that's a whole other story <laughs> so uh 38 is outstanding shooting because that that equates to up around you know 60 percent or more from two-point range which is really really great so uh congratulations on your career it's nice that you had an opportunity to play 
such a wonderful game as basketball. I know you probably feel the same way. I mean, if people who play the game, who truly play it the right way and learn how to play it the right way, it's it's a very rewarding game to be a part of, especially when you're a part of a team that is successful. So, and what about success of your teams? Did you play on some successful teams? No, no. The actually, <laughs> the listen. We had a losing career all four years. The year after I left, they won the entire conference, and I'm like. Was that me? <laughs> like, was that my no, fault? But no, no I, it was it was just a rebuilding thing, and yeah, I yeah. was happy. I learned a lot of lessons in losing, and I was happy to be a part of it and play college uh, so basketball. What, so, what what was your best average per, per game points? I think my junior year, I want to say I didn't. I mean, I didn't score a lot of points. We had a lot of scores on our team. I think I averaged like twelve points a game. So double, double nothing, nothing crazy. Plus, plus you're a defender and I'm sure you did some rebounding as well. So I'm going to make, I'm going to tell you what I say all the time about things since you were the defensive player of the year and all, I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay. You, you know where I'm going on this Cyrus, don't you? Oh yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I'm following. So, uh, I hear all these announcers on TV all the time talking about, in fact, actually I just, my Skip Bayless, who I know really well tweeted out something about, Oh, my man, Paul George, locked down, what's his name, locked down, <laughs> Murray. And I, and I said, here's the thing, Kristen, I, there is no such thing as a lockdown defender. I mean, can you honestly tell me that you think you could go out and lock down a really great offensive player? No, I don't. I, I agree. I don't. I mean, I think about Patrick Beverly. I think he's as close to lockdown defender as you get. Yeah. Well, he, what he is, is he's a pest. Okay. Yeah. And he, yeah. And so, and he's the type of guy that plays a great deal of enthusiasm, a great deal of energy, and he's very active. But to tell you the truth, being me, I was a great offensive player and I knew team defense and stuff. And I was watching yesterday, actually, in the game when Kawhi Leonard was guarding something. I even said to my wife, I said, oh my God. She said, what? I said, look at what Kawhi's doing defensively. I said, if he did that to me, I'd be by him in a flash. He's lunging forward. And I mean, if I get a guy moving forward towards me who's a defender, he's toast. I mean, there's no way in the world I'm going to let him get away with that. And yet the offensive player didn't do anything to counteract what he was doing. So it's always, a, it's like chess, you know, they make a move and you counter it. And you have to do that instantaneously in basketball. But I'm glad that you feel that way because what you try to do, I'm sure you study the person. You find that if they do have any weakness, right? And then you try to make them beat you with that weakness, but you try to make them work hard to get what they're going to get. And then maybe you get lucky and they have an off night. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now, and all the things you're doing now that you've been killing the draft and doing things, uh, how much time and effort do you have to spend doing that? I mean, do you have to watch how much video do you watch? Do you watch the games to see it? What's your preparation for that? So um, in terms of this year's draft, I mean, we have all the time in the world. So I have been <laughs> <Yeah>. watching, <laughs> I have been watching a lot of games back on Synergy Sports. That's a great resource and platform for anybody, you know, who's a journalist who's covering the draft. And then I've been going to some workouts. I, I've seen a lot of, I mean, I, I probably see about 10 or 12 guys in this draft class work out already, um, including some of the top guys like LaMelo Ball and Tyrese Halliburton I saw last week. So just trying to stay in the gym. And then on top of that, I'm going to grassroots events. I'm going to see some of the up and coming talent. Um, a kid, Paolo Ventura, he's the best player in the country. He's going to Duke. He'll be in the draft in a couple years. I saw him dominate in a tournament a couple weeks ago. So yeah, now that quarantine is kind of easing up a little bit and they're letting these players back in the gym, I've been able to get back in the gym with them. So they, actually, so the actual teams or whoever was running these workouts and stuff allow the press to come in. 
That's interesting. No, it's, um, oh. well, so yes and no. I mean, it's their agents. And since mm. I have, and, and I don't write on it, I don't interview them on the, on the record or anything, but since I've known these players for so long, since they've been in high school, they trust me and um, they are allowing me in the gym. Oh, that's very, that's great. That's, I mean, that's awesome that you developed <laughs> that, that type of rapport. I mean, I think that's smart on your part. And obviously you're doing your homework. I mean, it's not like you just all of a sudden, you know, start writing and talking about the draft without doing your homework. I mean, anything in life, you have to be prepared properly. So congratulations yeah. on that. Rick, if you don't mind me jumping in real quick, I have, a, I have a, you know, we see scouting departments for teams fail left and right. I mean, how many draft picks have we seen over the years not pan out, especially with higher picks? What's the difference between you, Kristen, and your typical NBA scout? Like, could you step in and do a better job than them at this point, given what you've been doing? I don't, I mean, I'm not going to say that because they do their homework. I mean, when players fail, it's not because the team took this out in the world, like out of the blue shot on them. Um, it's just what they thought would fit their team the best. Um, so I don't think I could do a better job. What I bring is I bring background info, who they are off the court, what do their parents do, who hangs around them, who's going to be like trouble in the locker room, that sort of thing. Um, so I bring more of that intel work. And then also they respect my, uh, just my intel on the game since I played it and I've been around them. And I've, I can say, you know, oh, LaMelo Ball, I've known him since he was in eighth grade. I went over to Australia to watch and play a couple games. Like they know I've been in the gym with them long enough. So I can speak to LaMelo as how much he's improved from the time he was in high school to now and how he's still so young and his ceiling keeps getting higher and higher. Yeah, well, I, that, heck, the teams should be hiring you and paying you a lot of money to come up with those things because I, I yeah. really – no, seriously, because those are things I know that they do. They give them all kinds of tests and all the thing like that and trying mm -hmm. to find out about them because having talent is one thing. But knowing the person and the character of that person, I think, is another. And, and it's a critical element where they really screw up a lot. Agreed. Uh, but, when, but when they really screw up, and, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about this, to me, the majority of scouts in the NBA get hung up on athleticism. They get so impressed with somebody who is a great athlete. And you don't have – and great athletes don't mean you're a great player. Okay? You, you have to have – the one thing that I've talked about so often is Cyrus has heard me forever. And so he'll probably just tune out on this one. No, that, I never do. Is that, <laughs> and it's astonishing to me how, how many times they have to see these players and the mistakes that they make when they draft them. The one thing that I look for in a player, do they have, and you can relate to this as a player, do they have a natural feel for the game? You can't teach that. I'm sure you would agree with me. You can't teach a natural feel for the game. You either have it inherently in you or you don't have it. And yeah. that's what I look for. And so I, I can tell that if I just watch and focus on a guy for 10 minutes in a game, I'm going to see that. It might, even, it might take me one minute. It might take me two minutes. I remember with my youngest son, Canyon, it took my wife and I the first two minutes of a game, his first game he played in when he was in the fourth grade. And we knew right away that he had what we couldn't teach him, which is a natural feel for the game. And so if you just look for that, then what comes into, my, into, into play is that, you know, does he have the athleticism? Can he do these other things? But it comes into what you're talking about, the other elements of him as a person, who he hangs with, all the other things. Because it's kind of like you don't want to have a player that you're going to invest multi-millions of dollars in and all of a sudden worry about what the hell is he going to do after the game? 
Or what is he going to do in between games? Or what is he going to do in the off season? So uh, do you get approached by anybody or is this something you just use for your own writing or have any teams asked you about this? I mean, what, what happens with that? I'm curious. Oh yeah. No, I talked to several teams constantly during the season. Um, I've already started talking to teams about the draft class coming up next year. So they're already starting to do their homework on players in next year's draft. Um, so no, I'm constantly talking to teams. I, I joked with one team when they said, you need to get a scouting service. And I said, well, this is my first year doing MBA meetings. So the first year's free next year. <laughs> oh, good. You know. I was going to ask you, I said, <laughs> I, hope they're, I hope they're paying you for your expertise here. I mean, you've got a valuable, you have a value, valuable uh, information that you can pass on to these teams and you should, you should certainly get paid for it. And I think it's, it's great what you're doing. I mean, I had agreed. I didn't know about it. I was glad Cyrus told me about it. I read up about you and doing so. I said, wow, this is really impressive. You know, it's, it's, it's good. <laughs> This is very good. So you, know, you got to keep doing the work that you're doing because it, despite all of this stuff, they'll all make a bunch of mistakes. I mean, it's astonishing to me when you go back and look at the history of the draft, which I'm sure you probably, since you got involved, have done some of that. Can you imagine, can you look at, I mean, some of the mistakes the teams made with the players they picked over other players? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, the big one of all the time is Sam Bowie and Michael Jordan, but everybody talks about, but there's a whole bunch of other ones a lot that of, are out a lot there. I mean, there's so many of them. It's just astonishing to me. This meant, and here's the problem with it that you're going to, you'll probably find this out, Kristen, is that the general managers who are most, most responsible for, for making these choices don't ever want to admit that they made mistakes. And so they'll keep <laughs> guys on teams and pay them their millions of dollars instead of just biting the bullet. Hey, here's the deal. You suck. You got a lousy attitude. Get the hell out of here. And here's your money. Don't show up. We'll try to make a trade for you. If we do, we'll let you know, but we don't ever want to see you again. And then go and use some money and get a guy for a minimum contract that you can get on your team. That's going to be more valuable to your team that can develop to something who's a great quality character person. That's the way you should deal with pro athletes. Your, your thoughts. You agree I'm sorry. With that? No, no, you, you agree you with that? Out. Okay, I'm saying yeah, so. Yeah, I'm just no, saying you, get rid of get rid of these guys. Sorry, and, and you it, broke you broke up a little bit. Oh, okay. No, so you get <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. get rid of these guys. Right. And you know, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, if I were there and I was a general manager or somebody of the team, I say, hey, you know what? You don't want to conform to what we want. We don't like your attitude. Get out of here. And you're not the player that we want on this team. So we're going to send you your checks. If we can make the trade, we'll let you know where you need to go. Otherwise, you know, we don't ever want to see you again. And then go get somebody for a minimum contract who can wind up being a much better player. I coach guys in the minor leagues that wind up going to the NBA. I kept trying to tell the NBA guys about these guys. They didn't want to listen to me because they had the contracts. They got guaranteed deals and they don't want to let them go because they don't want to admit that they screwed up. It's, yeah, it's no, really I totally sad. agree. And you know what? And looking at this draft specifically – there are a lot of question marks from top, from beginning to end. There's a lot of question marks. There's going to be potentially a lot of busts. We're going to see guys that are picked up in the second round that are probably going to have great careers. And we're going to look back at this draft and be like, what? He was drafted where? Like, look at the Raptors. Look, look at their five, the overtime, the double overtime win yesterday. All five players on the, on the court were picked either 23rd, 24th, 27th. Wow. 42nd or un- undrafted Fred Van Vliet undrafted incredible they you know and they're they're going to game seven with the Celtics you know so um they I, I feel yeah. like with this, two, this year start, with two go ahead I'm sorry finish up I, go ahead no no, no but with, with this year this draft year we're gonna see a lot of those question marks come through it's a bad draft 
Yeah, I, okay. Wow. And I, 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 that's interesting to hear because, as I say, I don't follow it all that closely. But pointing out what the Raptors are doing stuff, I mean, the interesting thing about that is, is that, obviously, they're making decisions that make sense. They're seeing talent in people, and they're willing to do it. And they, they're going to a seventh game, one in double overtime, with their star player and one of their other key players having lousy – I'm talking about yep. seriously lousy, <laughs> lousy games offensively. And they still yeah. won. I was shocked when I looked and I saw the stats after the game was over. I said, how the hell did they win? <laughs> you know, it, was, it was amazing. It really it was. Amazing. But it, was, it, was a slug, it was a slug fest, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so, all right, so let's get, let's get into talking something that's, you know, near and dear because we're supposed to be like Warriors 24. But the oh, Warriors, we can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we so want. They're so bad, you know, we don't, we don't want to talk about them. I mean, uh, <laughs> we will again we need, soon. We need to talk about them. Well, because we they got a big soon. pick, you know, they got a big – Big pick coming up. So this is what you're saying. So my whole thought is this is what we talked about a little bit, Kirsten, on our last show. My thought is this, is that the Warriors have a huge decision to make. I don't think there's a player in the draft that's one of those guys say, oh, my God, this guy is going to be a franchise maker. He's going to be one of the keys to a team's success. And I'm saying, I don't see one there. So why in a world would I want to go and spend those kinds of dollars when there's somebody who may think somebody's really good and you could do a trade and give up that draft pick and get somebody that you know can be another important element or cog to what the Warriors have already with their three big, the big three guys they've got, and bring somebody in in that and give that draft pick away, and, and make yeah, a deal. I agree. I mean, when I saw the Warriors had the second pick, I thought for like, like it took me all about five seconds to be like, trade it, package it with something, and and trade it um, for a team like if if. If LaMelo Ball goes number one and Anthony Edwards is there at two, and I know that Atlanta, the Hawks, really want – they really like they really like Anthony. Uh, hmm. Trey Young showed up at a couple Georgia games sitting courtside this year. They have the same agent. So why not package him, trade down um, So with, with Atlanta? Um, so that's why you save some money. Or you just take number two, whoever that is, and then package that player with a trade to go after someone like Giannis. Exactly. You see, yeah, see, we're on the same page. I really, I like you a lot, Kristen. This is good. <laughs> well, but look, plus, we're all in the, plus, I think we're well, all hey, in plus the, she's, she's really cute too. I mean, <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you there, yeah, but, but look, I think everything we're saying is kind of obvious though. The, the problem is, is that who are you going to trade that for? Right. I mean, who's available that, cause I mean, if we're, if it's obvious to us that the draft is not deep this year and it's, and it's a lot of question marks, I'm sure it's obvious to every other team as well. So like, like, First of all, the gist I'm getting from you, Kristen, is that James Wiseman is not higher on your, on your board. Is that correct? Are you saying the Warriors should not draft Wiseman? So I go back and forth with James, right? Because I hadn't seen he, – he, like, went completely off the grid. Like, I didn't see a single workout from him mm -hmm. from the time he left Memphis to maybe two weeks before the draft lottery. So I was like, what is he doing? I haven't had eyeballs on him. Bigs don't typically – like perform very well on the NBA level. Is he going to be another DeAndre Ayton or Marvin Bagley who aren't really producing very much in Phoenix or in Sacramento? Um, he does have a few injury prone. Uh, so I don't know. Like I'm, and then, but then I see him work out. I'm like, oh man, he is a monster. Maybe I will yeah. <laughs> my next up mock draft, like bring him up. But if you were going to keep, keep that number two pick and you, you, you know, your Bob Myers, you're like, no, we are going to keep this pick. We're going to draft someone. They're going to be on the team. James is a good contender. I really like Tyrese Halliburton. I don't think he'll go number two. 
And I like LaMelo. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like LaMelo, but I think the way he plays the game, the way he sees the court, he could learn a lot from Steph. Steph is, what, 32? Like, we don't know how many more years he has. He could come in and be that that role and that, you know, second or third splash brother for the Warriors. Yeah, ahead, I would say Cyrus. ball is – well, the problem with the metal ball, I mean, Rick and I are not high on him, and I think a huge reason, A, is his dad. I mean, who, I mean regardless – I have dad, something to say to that. I have to, go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, no, I, no, I'd jump in. Well, what do you have to say about the dad? Because that's, okay. that's really hey, yeah. the big thing. And, and the other thing is his shooting. I mean, he hasn't proven he's a, he's a legitimate shooter. He, he reminds me of his brother a lot in that regard. And the Warriors reward shooters. They want – if you're going to be a guard, you need to shoot. I mean, Andre Iguodala was the one exception, but his defense was incredible. Yeah, so go ahead, please. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? So when I went to see LaMelo um, in Australia and then in New Zealand when he played against RJ Hampton, um, you know, I, I sat down, I talked to him, and um, I asked him point blank. I said, do you think you're the number one pick in this year's draft? He said, yeah, of course I do. That's what I'm always working towards. And then I said to him after we were done talking, I said, well, I'm going to have to get in touch with your dad for a comment on this because I'm sure he has something to say about his son saying he's the number one pick. And he, and LaMelo looked at me, he's like, KP, they all call me KP. He's like, KP, he's sitting this one out. And I'm like, what? No, because I've known LaVar, you know, since, at least since uh, LaMelo was in eighth grade. Like, he is not, the, he's going to have something to say about this. So sure enough, mm-hmm. reach out to LaVar. I was like, hey, just talk to LaMelo. He says he's the number one draft pick. And I said, do you have a comment? And he just writes, no comment. And I said, you don't think your son's the number one pick? Like I was trying to bait him and he just says no comment. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's true. He's sitting this one out. And if you look in the press, he has not said a single thing about LaMelo during this draft process, this long extended draft process when we had no basketball for four months, he has kept quiet and kept his mouth shut. And, and I applaud that. Yes. It's yeah, great. That's, that's absolutely great. And I think, <laughs> I think probably what happened is the metal saw what was happening before with his brother and all and his brothers and probably said, dad, do me a favor. Shut up. <laughs> okay. <Yep. laughs> Just let, let my, you know, here's what I would say. Let my playing dictate what people say about me. Yeah, I don't no, need you. 100%. I don't need. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's great to hear because he was ridiculous before doing his stuff. He is like, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> that is fascinating. I mean, I, I, I mean, Wes Goldberg of the San Jose Mercury news has joined us and he had similar sentiments about James Wiseman. He just was not high in him, but a lot of it has to do with the uncertainty. You see the tapes and the workout videos and he's a beast. I mean, he's shooting threes and, and hitting them. I mean, his athleticism is second to none. He's a seven footer. The Warriors do need a big man, but, um, so if Anthony Edwards falls to two, is that a no-brainer? Do the Warriors take him? I don't think so. If he falls to two and you've got a choice between Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman or even Obi Toppin, you take Obi Toppin or James Wiseman. I don't think they're going to touch Anthony Edwards. He just doesn't – he's not, he's not, not going to mesh well in the backcourt with the other guys. Yeah, Interesting. The, the Warriors don't need him. They don't need anybody in the backcourt. They got two of the greatest shooters in the freaking history of the game. I, I, I mean, and you just want bench players to come in and do – and they got some guys that do a nice job for them coming off the bench now. They need – as I said, one of the things we talked about, Cyrus, and, and, and Tristan, you'll understand this, Kristen, is that they need a big. I, mean, I don't care. It doesn't have to be a big that you know, can get you 25, 30 points a game. I'm not talking about a superstar big. I'm talking about a big that can get you – 10 to 15 points a game, get you double digits to rebounds, protect the rim a little bit. 
because if you don't have that, you get in trouble. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not going to win. And, and, you know, even though the Rockets are doing some interesting stuff right now and causing some problems for the Lakers, mm-hmm. Lakers are lucky to be up to and one. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, because the problem, they, but that's the thing is the Rockets, you know, they come down and fire and jack up the threes. And I mean, to shoot, they actually, the thing that saved them, they shot 44%, I think it was, from the three points in the, in the other game. And the Rockets still shot 40 uh, something percent. But the Rockets didn't get a lot of shots up. And so, but the Warriors were outscored by 30 points from three point range, even though they shot 40 something percent and won the game. So, the Lakers, I mean, yeah. The Lakers, I mean, so the Lakers had to play so incredible. I mean, this is the one thing I hate about the NBA that they do with their statistician stuff. Why in the world, when they put two point field goals, you don't include the three point shots when you do that? Just put the two point shots in there to give you a true indication of what their two point shooting percentage was. When you include the three point shot, it's, it skews it. So you hmm. have your three point shooting and you should have your two point shooting. The Lakers shot something like 70% in that game. If you take the three point shooting out, and that, that saved their butt because they only shot 61 from the free throw line, the Rockets were at 80. And so, you know how hard it is to make up 30 points and two-point shooting? I mean, so it was just one of those crazy things that happens. But I'm just saying, this is what takes place. You've got to have people who can play the game in all aspects of it. But the Rockets cause a problem. And Mm -hmm. anything can happen. You make your shots from the outside, you cause a major problem for other teams. There's only been, I think, three games in all of the playoffs in the last – in the semifinals here going on where the team that had the highest – three-point shooting field goal percentage didn't win the game hmm that's interesting yeah it's a good stat rick no i i i, I try to look at these low stuff i'm not a big stat guy i mean i i mean the stat that only means anything to me is free throw shooting because it's the only one that doesn't get skewed <laughs> and you know i mean there's no way they can change that you either make them or you don't make them and so that's the thing it's become a three-point shooting competition is what it is and the problem is you can't even defend that sometimes because these guys, I mean, come on, look at Dame. You probably watched him, right? He pulled, he oh, my gosh. Well, you know, like a step over half court, and he's pulling up shooting a jumper like it's nothing. I mean, and he said, well, I could do that regularly, but I don't like to do it. The range that these guys are getting now and the, and the efficiency that they have from three-point range, when you start getting up to shooting like you did in the high 30s and up to 40 and above, that's, that's mind-numbing to me. I mean, that is yeah. a difficult shot. That's a serious shot. And I, I have great respect for it, but it changed has changed the entire dynamic of the game yeah. to the point. But but see, but you can live and die with it. The Warriors did that. And if you remember the Cleveland series mm-hmm. when they lost game seven, the last four minutes and 20 seconds, they never took anything other than Iggy's block that LeBron made that saved, uh, it saved the series for him. They, everything was a three point shot. And they and they didn't make. And they weren't going in. They weren't and going in. They weren't in. going in. They didn't yeah. score a basket. They didn't score a basket or a point. In the last four minutes and 20 seconds, I think it was, of game number seven, at home. What the hell? Go to the freaking basket. Well, I'm sitting there going, go to the basket, please. And they didn't yeah. do it. They, so, didn't, they, didn't have, they didn't have anyone on that team who could make easy buckets. I think that was the problem with that team. It's amazing they won 73 games yeah, without having a single post-up player who can score easily. It was crazy. Yeah. Kristen, I'm curious to know, uh, why is it so hard to predict who's going to be great out of college or high school? Like, why is it so difficult to determine – if a player is going to succeed at that next level in your, you know, I, I think one of the main reasons is because the NBA is getting younger and younger. And so you have teams that are investing in players for their potential, right. Instead of who they are. And I just read an article by um, Jonathan Wasserman from Bleacher Report and the article, this was last week and it was how to spot a bus. And he was namely looking the first 
tell time was, or tell sign was, if you're 22 and head, or older heading into the draft, that's a sign that you're going to be a bust. Because then you look at, huh. you know, like you look at Sacramento when they drafted 23 year old Buddy Heald over 19 year old Jamal Murray, and Jamal Murray has now reached All Star status in my he mind has. Um, with with what he did last. With, with what he did last series against Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz. So um, that's why a lot of people, they look at Obi Toppin because he's 22 and a half. And they're like, has he, was he dominating? Was he college player of the year because he was so much older and he was dominating the younger competition and smaller guys. And especially at Dayton with uh, not the power five competition that other players had. Like that, th- these are the risks that teams have to assess and kind of figure out and and uh decide on and again like Lamelo, i think he's a high risk high reward player he could be a franchise player similar he plays very similar like trey young in terms of he's got a great pick and roll game he's got a super tight handle for six foot seven and he'll let it fly i mean he needs to get more consistent but on mm-hmm. the downside he can't play defense to save his life <laughs> perimeter defense has gotten better but i could go by him if i wanted to at the top of the key he just he, i i don't know it's well, that's so, not good. Uh, it's, it's not, well, you're not selling that, me on him there. <laughs> well, I got, I got to, yeah, I got to jump in on this now. I mean, and that's one of the problems that they have. The article that he wrote, and that's the problem with the mentality of the NBA. You're going to invest millions of dollars in things. First of all, you got to recognize talent, and they'll invest talent. You're going to, you're not necessarily not going to be a bust because you're younger. I mean, the problem is, no. do you have what I'm looking for? Do you have a natural? If he doesn't have a natural feel for the game, and you draft him, you should be shot. Seriously. I mean, that should be the number one priority for anyone that's drafted without the natural, go find somebody with a natural feel for the game. And you're going to be better off with him having a team full of guys who know how to play the game, who have a feel for the game. It's going to be more fun to play, more fun to watch for the fans. And you're going to have a much greater chance for success than getting some guy that's just an incredible athlete. He can do all these amazing things. Doesn't know what the hell to do with all the talent that he has. And I'm really against that. And I'll throw it out there now. And I don't care if people could say who it was, but Cyrus, he, he knows me. My son should be in the NBA, my youngest son. My son can really play. And I'm just not talking as his father. I know basketball. I know players. My son can play. He is so much better than guys sitting on benches right now collecting millions of dollars who have no idea how to hell to play the game of basketball that these guys made mistakes on and they're spending multi-millions of dollars when they could have somebody for a, for a minimum contract who'd be better for their basketball team and could possibly develop into something special. And I see it firsthand. I've seen it that they don't use their talent effectively. You get the coaches who stick guys and have their system, and you got to play in this system. And he doesn't have the talent to play in that system. That's not his skill talent, his skill level, and, or, or his abilities. Put him in the right system. And in NBA, you have to put in a system that takes advantage of the skills and talents of your players. And then you also have to have players who are willing to be unselfish and know how to play the game right. Pass, cut, move just like the Warriors did for a five-year period of time. And that's why they had the most dominant five years of any team in the history of basketball because they had so many elements, but they had guys who had a feel for the game, who were unselfish and played the game the right way. So I'm getting rid That's my rant for the day, okay? Well, no, it leads into a good question. Kristen, <laughs> I don't know if you're how familiar you are with Kenny and Barry, but in your opinion, why is he not getting opportunities in the NBA when his three-point shot's incredible, his ball handling is superb, his defense is solid? He seems to fit all the attributes for a pro player. Like, why is he not... Get, being given that opportunity are you familiar with him at all I am not all I can okay. say is that as much as talent is one of the factors it's also a business and it's 
you got to know the right people, you have to have the right agent, you have to be in the right situation, you have to have the right game when the right person's watching. Like Anthony Edwards had one of, had the best half of college basketball this season. It happened in the beginning of the season, but every NBA scout was there. He scored 33 points, including seven threes and one half of basketball. And every team was there. They were all convinced just from that one game. Like, yes, he's a top draft pick. So it's a lot of different things that kind of come into play no, I agree. It's being in the right place at yeah. the right time. Yeah. And she's absolutely correct. Chris is absolutely right. A lot of times guys get jobs because their agents get a guy a job because they want someone else that he get, that he actually represents. And they want to get that guy. So in order to do it, they've got 15, 17 roster spots now, two two-way guys. So they can screw around and do that kind of stuff. And a lot of guys are getting jobs as a, as a result of that. But there is a whole lot of them out there that got drafted who shouldn't have been drafted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just telling you, they don't know how to play. They really yeah. don't. And it's so freaking <laughs> yeah. frustrating for me because I love greatness. I love watching people who are great at anything they do in life. I have tremendous respect and admiration for them. But I just have a real problem when I watch what the NBA does. And I, I've made the comment before that some of these scouts out there wouldn't know talent if it walked up and bit them right in the butt. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, they just get so enamored with that. And there's so many guys that made it. And now, listen, if you have great natural ability and talent and everything, you can play in the NBA. There's a bunch of guys there doing that now but they'll never be as good as they should be. That's the part that's so frustrating to me is that you see the potential of these guys and it's never going to be maximized either because of the fact that they don't have that great natural feel for the game. They're in the wrong situation where the coaches and using them properly has a system that they don't fit into. I mean, the greatest one I use, you probably don't even know who this person is, but you may have heard his name. Dal Ellis is always, I bring up when he played at Dallas under uh, Dick Mata, who played slow down, whatever it may be. And he can't play. He goes to Seattle supersonics, leads the league in three point shooting, becomes an all-star player. Why? It's not like all of a sudden he learned how to play It's because he got a chance to actually play and do the things he's capable of doing with a coach who allowed him to do it. So, yeah, so I agree with you, but it, it's very frustrating for me to have to sit and watch that, especially when it's so close to me and I see it firsthand. In fact, I, I even had, you know, Chris Mullen called me up one time and said, he watched my son who was on the three X three world championship team. The only gold medal USA had in one bet last year in the, and when they played in Amsterdam mm-hmm. and he's, he's on the, he's on the team to try for the Olympic qualifying when the COVID came and they got knocked off of that. And so anyway, he saw him, he, he texted me, he said, I just saw your son play. He said, I had no idea he was that good. I said, yeah, well, hell help me get him in the NBA. Will you? What, the, what the hell is he doing playing as, you know, on the, as a, as a non, non two-way guy for the Timberwolves with stats that are better than their two-way guys. So anyway, it's, it's a frustrating thing, but you know, life is such that you, you deal, you know, you play the cards that you're dealt. He's been dealt some lousy hands and everything, but he deals with it a lot better than I would. I can tell you that. So <laughs> anyway, the nice thing, he just got invited to the, you know, all the teams, you know, this probably uh, is that the teams that weren't able to qualify to go to the, uh, to the bubble in New Orlando are now being allowed to have their own bubble three week deal. And so uh, Canyon just got invited. He's heading this weekend to go to the, to the Minnesota Timberwolves deal. And I'm hoping that there he's going to be there with the actual staff, the real people, see him every single day doing things. And maybe he'll have an opportunity for them to actually watch him closely and see that he really does know how to play and he could do so many things. And maybe one of the best players moving without the basketball and getting himself open. Problem is you got to have teammates that are willing to pass you the ball when you do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I want to I go back real quick, Chris, and you were talking about how uh, there seems to be a, a formula that 
if a player has played longer in college, typically they don't, it doesn't transpire to success in the NBA. I'm guessing that applies to the lottery and lower draft picks, right? Because the Warriors for, have had some success with these three or four-year players with Draymond Green and more recently yeah. with uh, Eric Pascal. Um, but they're also came in as more role type players than expected stars. So I can see what you're saying with that. Um, do we want to, do we want to um, touch on the playoffs real quick? Since well, I wanna, going yeah, on and, well, well, we can, but I'd like to ask her first, if you had the first pick, who would you take? Mm. If I'm Minnesota, I'm drafting Anthony Edwards, just because you already got D'Angelo there. You got D'Lo. He's a great two guard. He can come in. He's got the size. He can play right away and he can contribute. And I honestly think, D'Lo, Ant-Man, they call him Ant-Man. Ant-Man and... Do they really? That's his, nickname in, that's his nickname in Minnesota? No, no, no. Anthony, Anthony Edwards. His, no, Anthony oh, Edwards. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yes. So you got D'Lo, Ant-Man, and then Carl Anthony Towns. And I think that's a great three-person offense. You've got a ton of weapons there for Minnesota to use. That's who I would take. And if you were the Warriors, you said before, right, that if they had a chance, if they get depending upon two that they would go if they're going to keep, well, they may take them and then trade them obviously, or, or trade the draft pick beforehand. But uh, if they were to go ahead and pick number two, is that who you think he, they should be? Or the one that you love so much <laughs> as the big man? No, if, if, if I'm, if I'm the Warriors at number two, I trade down and uh, you know, maybe at six with the Hawks mm. or someone. And, and I take uh, Onyeko Okongwu, USC big man who moves really well off the ball. He, I think, averaged six blocks a game this year. And he's by far, well, second to James Wiseman, the, the best rim protector in this class. Well, see, that's – and I would – see, there you go. See, that's the perfect thing. She follows it and does it. If that's the thing, I would – that's what – if I were the Warriors, I, I think that's the way to do it. And here's our <laughs> rationale behind this, Siri, Kirsten, so you understand. You can't take a guy that you say, especially a big guy, who sometimes it takes him two, three years to adapt and get ready to be able mm-hmm. to play at a high level. In three years – their big three is not going to be the same big three they are right now mm-hmm. because they're getting a lot older. The time for the Warriors is now. they got mm-hmm. to get somebody that can come in and contribute to them right now in the areas that they need some help. And that's why I say if there's a big guy out there that can do that, then now you can have him for a longer, you know, for a long period of time, great. But if you don't think there's somebody there that can fill that role, trade and bring someone in with experience who can fill that role because you got to do it now if you don't do it now especially after the disaster they had last year with everything going on they with the new arena and everything they've got to become and be a really good basketball team that can contend yeah yep. i just don't know who's out there they can trade for i mean joel joel Embiid seems to make the most sense but philly just said they're not going to trade them i guess Kristen, you know i i really do think you have a if if journalism is a, in my opinion is a harder field to make it and earn a livelihood than let's say being a, a scouting individual for a pro team. I really think you get in there. There's so much incompetency. Just look at Philly, look at Sacramento with their draft two years ago, passing on Luca and Trey young. Look at David Kahn in Minnesota all those years. There's so many dipshits, part of my French who are making these important calls that someone who actually has a brain and actually knows what they're doing, I, th- I think has you're, you're hireable. I think you have a future there if you ever wanted to do it. Well, no, seriously, because, it. hey, listen, we just talked earlier about the women. Have you got the women on the coaching staff? They got the women now in the front office. They got the women broadcasters. They got, they need, let's get a woman scout. Yeah. yeah. Or let's GM. We'll, we'll do a campaign mm-hmm. for her. <laughs> I mean, when I tell you guys and um, anybody in the grassroots world can back this up, when I tell you I am the only female covering grassroots basketball and the NBA draft, I am the only female. <laughs> I That's am one crazy. of one right now. And so 
my goal is like, I want to, I want to open the door for other women to be able to come into this industry. It's not easy. It's a grind, you know? Um, but I want to be able to open that door and just bring up some more women in the sports world. Well, I'll tell you what, you've impressed the hell out of me because just your, your analysis of what's happening about what the Warriors should do, that was so spot on and so exactly what it is that they need. And hopefully Bob Myers will see that, or maybe there is somebody out there that they can make a trade for that we don't know about that could bring in and do it. But if I were them and that's the choice I came down to and nobody else was out there, that's exactly what I would do if I could do that. Because that's the kind of person I think the Warriors could use right now with the three guys that they have who can develop and become better and better and be there for the long haul and have him there as you bring other pieces in over the next years to come. So that was a great analysis. So I, I compliment, compliment you on that. That's good. So let's talk, let's talk, let's talk playoff basketball a little bit. What are, what are your thoughts right now? Who do you like and why? I mean, I think, well, all right. I'm, I'm originally from Colorado. My brother, I'm out in Utah, spend time with family out here. My brother, his life is, ending watching Denver, you know, probably lose the series to the Clippers. The Clippers look really good. I think yes, they do. Denver, Denver is a bad match for them. They kind of got, they got their number with guarding Jamal and Jokic and they're not passing the ball, just like Mike Porter said in his conference, which he should, he should air that in the locker room, not to the press, but. Agree. Well, um, do you want, do, do you mind if we play that real quick, just to jump in? So after the game last night, we're recording this on a, on a, September 10th, it's about 248 right now. So last night, Michael Porter Jr., who is, is starting to develop a pattern and a habit here of saying really dumb things, um, he basically called out the coaching staff. And, and here, let me share. Let me set this up real quick. Um, and while he's doing that, uh, yes, yes, here we go. yes. Kristen, Kristen Peake is our guest here on Warriors 24. Uh, she is the only woman who is now doing work in covering grassroots basketball and also the NBA draft and doing that on a very national level. So congratulations to her. We're happy to yeah. have her with it. So here's the, here's the, here's the comment by, uh, by Porter. So Mike, when that happens, is that a situation where you just need to demand the ball more on offense? You're looking for sets to be run or you need to cut more. What are you looking to do to get yourself more involved when you're not touching the ball? I mean, that's really up to the play calls. It's really up to the coaches who they want to put the put the ball in whose hand. Um, we kept going uh, to Yoke and Ma, um, and that's you know, I think that's they're, they're two amazing players. So you can never get mad at that. But I just think uh, to beat that team, we got to get more players involved. We got to move the ball a little bit better. Um, we can't be predictable against that team. And absolutely correct. I mean, seriously, because I watched the game. The one thing I said afterwards, I said to my wife, she said, "Had the game go?" I said, "Well." The Clippers kicked their butt at the end. I said, but Denver's their own worst enemy. I mean, just because, I mean, and, and yeah, the Clippers can play some nice defense, put some pressure on you. But to be honest with you, when somebody's more aggressive defensively, it's actually easier to beat them. And the thing is, if you move the basketball, their shot selection was horrendous. Well, Rick, I mean, I don't think the issue here is whether or not he was correct. I, I think everyone's agreeing that, yeah, they should have moved the ball more. But do you think it was right for Michael Porter Jr., the same person who's an anti-vaxxer, who a month ago said COVID was uh, in, genetically engineered to lower the population of humanity? That's, it came out of his mouth. And now he's calling out his coaches for the way they're running the offense publicly. Like, do you agree with that? Like, do you think that's okay? Well, I don't think I don't he did it. In a, I don't think he did it in a really derogatory manner. I mean, he was just matter of fact. He's kind of like reminds me of me. He was just telling the freaking <laughs> truth. Yeah, but you you're know? a star, Rick. I mean, you were doing this your rookie year. You yeah. know, like this is a rookie. 
I don't know. I, I think he crossed huge no, lines. I, I think he no, no. Do I? Did he, did he make a mistake doing that? Absolutely, he made a mistake doing that. It's the last thing in the world they need to do is like air the old dirty laundry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your, your, your thoughts on that, Kristen? Yeah, Kristen. I mean, I I've known Mike forever. I think he's a great kid. Um, I think he has a really good career in his future. I said to him, I was probably one of the first people to say because I said it to him at draft night, and I said it on camera, on record, I said, you are the steal of this draft. He went 14. Mm -hmm. There were 13 teams that passed on him. Um, and he's budding into a young star. And I think he's going to have a great career. I think he's going to learn a lot in terms of how to speak to the media and speak to the public after, you know, after being criticized a few times now. Um, and he'll they'll move on from it. Um, I don't think they're going to win the series. Um, I like Lakers coming out in the West and I like Miami in the East. Miami is so fun wa to watch right now. I love Agreed. that. Agreed. Agreed. But real quick, why did 13 other teams pass on Michael Porter Jr.? Why because most of the scouts don't know their, I mean, they, they just, they just point, don't understand yeah. talent. I mean, it's, it's just, that's a perfect example. Come on. They did the same thing with Carl Malone. I was doing the draft and work and broadcasting for TNT at the time. Where did Carl go? Like 13, something like oh, 13. Really? Or, yeah, Carl Malone. I mean, come on. Like one of the greatest power forwards in the history of the game. And he doesn't go until, you know, after 10. Who was, what are they watching? And then look at some of the players they picked ahead of him. So that's kind of where it goes. But, yeah, I, you know, I, anyway, I like him a lot. Here's the, he was right, though. I mean, he's he was, going good. He, he had was. a great, he had a really terrific game in the game before. But the thing is, when somebody's going, whatever happened, you know, this is old style basketball again in old school. Go to the guy who's hot. The guy was having a really good game. So why don't you keep going to him? What, if I'm not mistaken, at one point, Murray was like, you know, four for 18. I mean, he was like horrible shooting the basketball. So was Jokic, another, yeah. Yeah, and you got another guy that's going good, and that is falls on the coaches. I mean, it really does. It falls on the coaches or one of the other players who's supposed to be the leader on the team to recognize the fact that, hey, you got one, one of my guys is going good. Let's milk them like the, like the Warriors do when, when, Clay, when, when Clay Thompson was going good and got 37 points in one quarter. I mean, that doesn't happen by, you know, by chance. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Kristen, like, did, you evaluate, did you have Porter that low in your predictions? And, I mean, so teams, that's what I'm saying. No. Like, you could, you could so fit in. With Kristen, when you're a GM in 10 years, just don't forget about us, all right? When I ask you to come <laughs> back on. When you're a GM for one of these teams, just don't forget that you were on here at one point and that we think you, could, you have that potential. That's crazy to me that all these teams just keep just, – it's just incompetency. I don't know how you could well, – and then, So the thing with Mike was um, he had back surgery. Um, he only played three games at Missouri. And uh, oh. the back – and, and he wouldn't release his medicals to teams. Um, not all the teams, only the teams that talked to him. And he only allowed like one team doctor to do a medical. It was the Bulls team doctor was the only one that was allowed to do the medical for him. So okay. a lot of teams shied away from that. And then when he got to Denver, he had to sit out a year and have another back surgery. So the fact that he's like, actually we're seeing glimpses of what he was in high school. Cause he was the number one player in high school. Like he was the best player on the court in high school. He played AAU basketball with Trey Young, him and Trey are still best friends. Um, they won Peach Jam, which is like the tournament to win if you're playing in the AU team, AU league and Nike UIBL. But um, yeah, the fact that 13 teams passed on him, I thought he was going to go maybe eight at the latest. Um, but yeah, I'm happy it? for him that he's having, he's, he's blooming into a great player and people are able to see what I saw of him in high school.
Yeah, well, the, the big question mark was the injuries and not knowing yeah. healthily what, what, what is he going to be like right now. We don't have any idea and know what's going to happen with Clay Thompson. Will Clay Thompson be the Clay Thompson that we're used to seeing when he comes back? We, we, I hope so. I, well, I hope I, so. I'm, well, I'm praying that that's the case for yes. him and, for, and for the team. And, and you just don't know. But, you know, then again, you get a guy that thought maybe his career was going to be over and everything. Look what Paul George has been able to do after the terrible injury that he had. True. And so, But I think when you're talking about, you know, drafting somebody up there and you're talking about 10, $12 million right away for someone who is a big question mark medically, you can understand why somebody makes more sense to do it. You yeah. Know, but, yeah. but trust me that one, I can give them, I can give them a little leeway there, but there's a whole bunch of other ones that those factors weren't part of the equation. <laughs> yes. And they still made the same stupid decision to do it. <laughs> I mean, so, so Kristen is predicting the Lakers and the Heat in the finals. Rick, what are you worried? What are you going with right now? How are you feeling? I, I, I um, yeah, I, I don't see. I, I don't know. The Heat could do it. They'd be the biggest surprise, you know, pulling that one off. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they, can, I don't know if they can beat. Uh, I don't know if they can beat Boston or, uh, or or Toronto in a seven game series. It'd be interesting, but they certainly have a chance to do it because they're on a high. They're playing the kind of basketball I like, very unselfishly, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, doing a really terrific job. Um, and they may be the team of destiny this year, you know, because that would be a huge, huge upset in the Eastern Conference for yeah. them to come out of it. I mean, come on. I mean, just the fact to look at what happened with Milwaukee. I mean, my gosh, oh. that's uh, – I mean, I don't think – you could have made a lot of money betting on that one <laughs> that they were going to wind up losing. And they should have lost four in a row. It's the they only should. thing that happened there. And this is what I call, Kirsten, you know, I call a thing called the con job syndrome. And you can relate to this as a player, right? So I know many times you're probably in the locker room, the coach is telling you, well, the star player is out. And, you know, we, hey, guys, listen, you got, you got to be, they're going to come out and play. Just because, you know, Giannis is out right now, you know, doesn't mean they're going to play their butts off. They got nothing to lose. They're going to be doing this. And you're giving them all the reasons why they have to do it. And they're all saying, yeah, coach, yeah, right, right. Down deep inside, there is no way that the players on that freaking team from Miami ever thought after beating that team three times with Giannis that they're going to lose with Giannis out of the game. There's not a chance in the world that they believed all of that, that they were hearing from their coach. And they conned themselves into believing they were ready to go out and give it their best effort, but they really, truly down deep inside didn't believe it. And I think that's what happened to them. And credit to, you know, to, to those guys for doing what they did. I mean, that was great that they got that victory. And, and they battled them pretty darn good in the next game. But, you know, it was just inevitable that, the, that they were going to wind up losing. But what a, what a shocker. That was, that was, was. really – and here's the thing. And you can probably relate to this as well is because you're a basketball person as well, is that they put the blame, everybody I'm listening to these guys, on Giannis. I said, this is a freaking team game. One guy doesn't win championships. If Giannis is struggling – other guys have to step up and get the job done. I said, I know that firsthand. I would never won the championship if it weren't for my freaking teammates. I suck so bad in game seven of the Western <laughs> Conference Finals. I mean, you have to have teammates. It's a team game. It's not all on one person. And this is why I go nuts, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Kristen, is that they give when they start ranking players and do it, and I always go nutty because you probably haven't heard me talk a lot. I go nutty when they say who's the best player. You go by position. You can't compare a center to a freaking power forward or a guard or a point guard. Here's the deal. They give more credit as far as rating them as to where they stand as far as how good they are 
on the championship teams they were on. What the hell is that? That's just being lucky that you were lucky enough to be on a team that had some other really good players so you could win some freaking championships. But because you weren't lucky enough to be on a team to do that, this guy's ranked higher than you because he got more points because he was on more championship teams than you. That is the most ridiculous parameter to have for evaluating somebody's ability as a player or their talent as a player, whether or not how many championship teams they were on. So how do, what do you think about that? I mean, I know people, you know, they, they dog Kevin Durant for chasing his ring, but I'm not mad about it. I mean, you are right. And there is a lot that's put on championships in terms of your caliber of player, like Charles Barkley, you know, will be the best player to never win a championship. Um, he never got that opportunity. So until you secure that ring, you're not ever going to be in consideration for who, where you are in terms of best of the best of the best. Like Kobe and the Kobe, Michael Jordan debate is always about championships. LeBron, how many rings does he have? Um, it doesn't matter how many that he's the all time winningest player in playoff history. No one cares about that. It's about championships. And I, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's stupid, but it is what it is. And people love the debate about it and, and rank players based off it, how many rings they have. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. I just, I just, I just ignore them because I, it's a stupid thing. I know it firsthand what it is. It's, it has nothing to do with it. And if it wasn't for your teammates, you don't win. I mean, you could be, I mean, there's been a lot of great players and in, 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 who haven't won championships. I not mean, that was, many, I actually. Was, I was, not I, that many. <laughs> there wasn't that many, really. I mean, if they, I mean, Barkley, Stockton Malone, who else? I can't really think of anyone else that has not won a chip. Well, well you, you, you can go That's back great. in history on some of the other. Yeah, this, you can go back in history and a lot of other teams would do it. I mean, Pete Maravich is a great, great player. Fair you enough. Know. That's another one. Okay. I mean, I could this start a naming short a It's a short it's, list. No, it's, it's, no sh it's, it's not that short. <laughs> if you go back in time. I think it is. No, it's not. You can go back in time for great players before you were born that played well, in the Celtics. Well, the Celtics. Well, because they dominated. Yeah, well, the Celtics and the Lakers and the Lakers and and the Bulls and the, and the Spurs and the Bulls. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of players. Trust me, who are great players that never won championships. And so, just because they weren't on the championship team, to take away from their stature in the game because they weren't on championships teams is ridiculous. It's, it's, yeah. it makes no sense. I hear you. I, I, I like playing along with the whole ranking the all-time greats thing. And I, th I do think rings play, play a strong factor in basketball more than other sports just because there's only five of you on that court. You know, football, know, but yeah, it's, it's 11. But it's, yeah, but it's five. You don't win with one. I know, I know. I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> but again, I mean, I mean, there really are not, over the, let's say over the past 50 years, there really are not that many great players who haven't done it. You know, I mean, we, we thought of four. Okay, I mean, if you think of more, let me know. I, you know, but I, oh, I, I, I don't know. Hey, I could but, start. Um, I could start throwing out a whole bunch of them. Start throwing out about a whole bunch <laughs> of them playing right now. There's a whole bunch of them playing right now that haven't done any. Yeah, okay. Chris you Paul. Just, you could say Chris Paul Chris probably is one of them. Yeah, you could say yeah. You could uh, definitely say poor Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Poor Chris Paul. Yeah. I know. I don't feel Paul sorry for him at all. But no. <laughs> as he's collecting forty plus million dollars a year, poor Chris Paul. Yeah, but uh, no. Uh, Chris, and we've had, we've been doing this for Steve, an hour. You Steve Nash. I'll throw another one out to you. That's a good one. That is okay. a good. And, Amari, and they could just keep coming. They could just. And Amari Stoudemire with him. Yeah, okay. I'm with you on that. All right. We'll do, how about that? How about <laughs> Nate Thurman? Okay, let's throw Nate Thurman out there. Poor right, Nate. Oh man. I'll start picking. I'll start picking all of the top fifty players to see how many I'm working on. You can follow Kristen Peak on Twitter at Kristen Peak. Rick, anything else? We've been doing this for over an hour. I, I'm just saying this all in jest, by the way. Uh, yeah, anything else before we wrap up? I've been doing it for an hour. I feel bad. No, uh, no, and, I, I, and I'm sorry. I, I kind of go off on things. A go bit, off. I don't I, care. I, I'm, 
I, no, I just to say is that, no, I'm just telling people they're doing something. This is a young lady who has a bright future in the world of basketball. I'm very impressed with the way that you are approaching things and what you're doing. And I wish you all the best and, and hope that you do get that, that, that chance and, and break through. I, I think you could be a valuable addition to a team. I can tell you right now, if I was a general manager and after learning a little bit about you, reading about you, and now having spent this time and speaking with you, I would hire you. So would I. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> yeah, bright things in your future, Chris, and I see it. I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if, we, if you started ignoring us in the near future. Cause you'll make time, <laughs> no, so. no, no, no. I'm always happy to come on. This is, this is great. Anytime. Always a pleasure. Anytime, hey, all the anytime. best. Awesome. Anytime. Thanks, all right. Guys. Thanks. God bless to you and your family. Stay healthy and, uh, and good luck with everything. And we'll fun to see what happens with, uh, with what's going on. And maybe, well, maybe hey, after they do stuff with the draft and stuff and we see what happens, we'll, if we're still doing the show, no, we'll, we'll get you back on and talk about the picture. Why wouldn't we, Rick? Well, I don't like that sure. defeatist attitude. Well, why well, wouldn't I we said keep if doing I the show? Said if we're well, I'm just saying, if we're still doing the show, who knows? I mean, <laughs> if, I'm st- if I'm still alive, you know, if, if, oh, somebody, hasn't, if somebody hasn't, if somebody hasn't shot me or something. Uh, you're going to 100, Rick. I'm, I'm, I'm counting on that. Well, that Kristen, is the goal. That is the goal. Kristen, thank you so much. Thank you thank so you guys. much. Kristen, Kristen Peak. All righty, take care. God bless. Uh, well, that's kind of fun. We'll look forward yeah. to the next time we come back on and talk about what's going on with the NBA and the playoffs. And they'll have made their uh, their choices, I guess, coming up here. Um, yeah, the, uh, I still think the, I'm still going with the Clippers. They're, they are the slight favorites in a hypothetical Clippers-Lakers matchup. Um, they're, they're starting to really impress me with their defense. I mean, I, I didn't – it's – Kawhi, to me, is the best player in the game. I, I just – I see them doing it. But what do you think? I mean, I haven't heard you really make a call on that. If Lakers, Clippers, it's what we're expecting. Um, who do you think you just, is going to win? What did you just say? He's the I said best the, player in the game. Today, yeah. You just overall, said that to me. The best overall player in the game today. If we had a hypothetical draft. I know, I know, at I know. At his position. <laughs> at his position. But, but, at his oh, yes. position. Without that, I don't buy that comment. At his position. Okay, he's, he's the not best a point player. guard. He's not a center, even though we don't have centers nowadays and most of the time anymore. But, but wouldn't you agree, Rick, in the, the game today, now a, more than ever? He's, he's a hell of a player. That's he is. Thing. But would, would you agree, Rick, that now more than ever, the game is fairly positionless? Or it's, it's definitely steering that way, right? Well, I mean, it's, we're, it's, I mean, it's, more, it's much more the perimeter. I mean, it's like the yeah. one, two. I mean, but you look at the teams when I'm watching the game. I mean, they're five out. There isn't even a guy down in the post. Yeah. You know, with Denver, with Denver, you see Jokic and stuff and all, but most of the time with these other teams, they're five out. Even even when you do something, when you do something with Anthony Davis and stuff, I mean, he posts up, but he's like twelve feet from the basket when he's posting up. I mean, what that's that? his fault though. I don't know why he's yeah, doing that. I, I don't I mean, understand look, that. Get down LeBron, on the block, man. I mean, work your butt off, move stuff. That's what I'm saying. Instead of this dribble, dribble, the guys fight and do it. Hey, you should have things set up where there's movement, movement that goes into a flow where the guy gets to the position. You can get him the ball down in the in the paint or down on the block and get him in a good position to be able to do something more meaningful and be much more of a threat and force somebody to have to double. And then you double, you can kick out, and you can get all kinds of outside shots. I can't stand watching some of this basketball. <laughs> I hear you, man. <laughs> well, the Rockets are crazy to me. I mean, I, I like LeBron is just punishing them, and rightfully so. If, I don't know if you're – I mean, you're watching this carefully, I'm sure. I mean, the more this series is going along, all the Lakers are doing is just putting LeBron or Anthony Davis in the post, feeding it to them, and getting easy buckets. No one on the, on the Rockets can defend those two. Nobody. Yeah, I'm but sorry. The thing, you know, the thing is, 
the only reason they won that game is they just made so many. They got easy shots. Yeah. That's why. But if they didn't shoot yes. that incredible percentage from two-point range, they could have easily lost that game. They could have. You're right. Easily Rocket- lost that game. And if the Rockets shoot 40-something percent and take 60-something free throws and stuff, it is so hard. I, when I looked at that, I said, oh, my God, they made up 30 points differenti- differentiation between three-point shooting points. I mean, yep. holy crap. I mean, you know how hard it is to make up 30 points with two pointers and on top of it, lose points at the free throw line when you only shoot 61%. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's scary. But anyway, it's going to be fun to see what happens. It's been, uh, it's been a very, I think, surprising uh, playoff so far yeah. with what's, what's been happening. Interesting. I just wonder, I, there's no way I think that what transpired here would have transpired had they been playing at their home arenas with crowds. Oh, no, it'd be totally different. You're right, 100% different. Yeah. That's what's so fascinating about this, I think, because yeah, you're yeah. seeing it's a neutral It's so territory. unique. It's such yeah. a unique situation. Yeah, it really it is. is. I, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of Game 7s too, right? It's because it's just – you're it's really even. Well, the there isn't part, any isn't great I mean? advantage of it. I mean, you're just playing, and whoever's <laughs> yeah. playing good there, you, you're not getting the other team pumped up because the crowd's going nuts and all the other good things that are taking place. Yeah. It's uh, it's been it's been interesting to watch, and it's gonna be it fun is. to see what happens. So we'll look forward. So who do you, to who the are you next gonna pick? Time. I saw you still haven't answered. Who who would no, you pick I, between I don't, the Clippers and Lakers? You don't know yet. Oh, between the Clippers and the Lakers in the West. Uh, yeah, because and that's inve- inevitably what's going to come down to, and and to me that's the NBA Finals. That to me, the winner of that series is going to win the championship. I mean, yeah. I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm, I'm I cannot I'm, I'm, wait. You know, I'm I'm really uh, very much looking forward to that. I would say that if you had to pick somebody you'd have to give an edge a little bit to the Clippers because of their defense. It's and they're, slight. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, slight. And also their three-point shooting. The Lakers are not a great three-point shooting team. No, they're not. They Playoff got really Rondo's lucky. Been... They, got, they got lucky. Yeah, Rondo's <laughs> been making them. I mean, uh, if you've yeah, got to rely on Rondo beating you from three-point range, you got a real problem. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, so they got an issue with the three-point shooting. There's no question about that. And, and, and don't count the Rockets out yet because, I mean, if the Rockets are knocking down those threes – they could, they can, they can win another game and force yeah. them to go a little bit longer. But I, I would have to say, because of the three-point shooting and and the edge on the defensive end of things, uh, and the Clippers have a little more depth. Yes, they do. Yeah. So are you still cameo? Still, can yeah. pink people yeah. can people yeah. still yeah. subscribe to you and get a yeah. personalized message? Just go to cameo.com. You can follow Rick Barry on all social media platforms at Rick Twenty Four Barry. You can follow me on Twitter at Dog Surf Roadshow, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Warriors uh, 24 pod. Rick, always a pleasure, sir. Welcome back from Mexico. Yeah, Glad always fun. Hey, hey, nice job getting getting Kristen on. Kristen Peak, very, uh, very awesome. entertaining, very intelligent, very well-spoken, and very knowledgeable young lady. Uh, certainly wish her well, and uh, we'll keep an eye out on her. It was, uh, that was a very enjoyable uh, enjoyable time spent with her. I really, yeah, really I agree. was impressed. Yeah. All right. Hey, take care, everybody. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.